180, Omaha. Live. You like that? You like that? In the entertainment capital of the world. Rogers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Richard Rogers with a walk-off touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Play action, awesome time. Deep shot for Parker. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Oh, my goodness, the legend just goes on. The doctor is now in. How you like me now? And it is a Friday, and we are live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Of course, our Friday home, and of course... It is NFL draft time, so this is day number two of our draft coverage here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. We'd like to welcome everybody who's here, not just the locals, but of course the tourists, everybody in town, of course, for the NFL draft 2022 Las Vegas style. And we continue on here today live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. No better place to be on the Las Vegas Strip than the Cosmopolitan, whether it's for your gaming needs, entertainment, and, of course, the food. Outstanding. I can vouch for all of the above here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas inside the sportsbook powered by our good friends at William Hill. Today, the quarterback, Jay Schrader, will join us. So uh, Jay will be uh, coming here. We'll be getting ready for the Raiders pick a little bit later on tonight. They're finally picking. They had no pick in round one. They have no pick in round two. But they do have a pick in round number three. So Jay Schrader will join us uh, next hour. Aaron Beasley, the nine-year NFL veteran, the former cornerback um, from the New York Jets, Jacksonville Jaguars, the Atlanta Falcons. He will join us here at the Cosmopolitan uh, as well. And uh, we're going to kick the show off uh, with a very special guest. Uh, bringing him on today, and uh, most people know his fa- uh, his famous son, his galactically famous son, who I got a chance to see play in college, got a chance to see him play in person at the Fiesta Bowl okay. when, when they beat my Notre Dame Fighting Irish, unfortunately. And we're talking about, of course, Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, his father, Stacy Elliott, is in the house with us today. Stace, uh, glad to meet you and uh, glad that you could be with us today. Well, it's just an honor to be on your show today. Honored to meet you. Likewise, my friend. You know, so for a lot of people that don't know, uh, Stacy very uh, involved, um, not only with uh, you know his son's career and everything, but a, a real big advocate for young players who are coming in to the National Football League and athletes uh, in general. I know you have a book coming out uh, and everything, and I really wanted to have you on the show today and really kind of talk about the perspective of a draftee or a player from a parent's perspective because I think it's, it's very, very unique. I'm a parent. I'm a, I'm a former coach, basketball, baseball, and all that kind of stuff, and uh, have, have helped a lot of kids get to the next level with uh, collegiate sports. And I think the parenting is such a key element that sometimes it goes unnoticed. We talk so much with athletes on the on the show. We talk with coaches. We talk with broadcasters. But I thought it would be kind of unique so we could uh, you know, kind of get uh, a parent's perspective, especially one like yourself who is an advocate not only for your son but all players in general, right? Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you just for allowing me to have the opportunity to just share some of my opinions, some of my uh, wisdom that I 
five yeah. on the in the process of gaining mm-hmm. and just to talk on the topic that is an ongoing um, topic for me as a father. Right. Okay. So first of all, you played ball. You were a linebacker back in Missouri, right? Yes, sir. I'm, okay. Back so you, in them ancient days. No, not the big the, eight. No, the, the, <laughs> the big eight. Exactly. Exactly. Can we please get back to the big eight? Even when the Big Twelve was the Big Twelve, can we please get Nebraska and Oklahoma? Come on now. Can we Come get on. back to those Come days, please? Now. And even your alma mater, yes. the Tigers, yes, man. Yes, sir. Give them a zoo back in there. Playing KU. Yeah, there you go. You know, right. The father of the whole coming tradition. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Seriously, I mean, how yeah. how sick does that make you feel to see the destruction of a once great conference? I tell you, um, the SEC kind of reminds me of the Big Eight in this modern era. Yeah. But, um, man, if you won the Big Eight, most likely. Orange Bowl, baby. Definitely an Orange Bowl yeah, bid. Yeah. And most likely you're playing for the national championship. That's true. And so so it is today. You win the SEC. Yeah. Most likely. Yeah. You're playing for a national. You're going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That is a good we'll analogy. Play for a national championship. That's yeah. No yeah. big eight back in the day. Yeah. We talked Oklahoma, Nebraska. Like that, all those schools, you know, were were pretty rock solid uh, back in those yeah. days. And just, I, you know, again, I, I always focus on Nebraska because I, um, you know, ha- had some friends that played there. My, uh, Amon Green, you know, okay. who played with the Packers. Yes, Amon's sir. a good good friend, and you know, I spent all that time in, in Green Bay, and we still talk about. You know those those battles. You know from back in the day in Nebraska. He's still Cornhusker red and white all the way through. Listen, last yeah. night I was at an event with Barry Sanders. You know I played against Barry Sanders right. when he was at Oklahoma State. Yeah, and we were reminiscing yeah. uh, the year he won the Heisman. Right, I was a freshman at Mizzou, and uh, we held him to the least yards that year in Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, and we were just reflecting on the Big Eight. Yeah, the big names and everything, and so. It was, yeah, that big eight was something else. Now, how many sticks did you get on Barry? Hmm, I didn't get any because I was a true freshman at the okay. time. I actually redshirted. Okay. You know, but, okay. hey, it was a blessing to see him, though. Right. <laughs> I mean, talk about, you know, we've seen him, you know, in person at game. But how is it to see that cat on the field up close and personal? I tell you Especially what. Especially back in those days. I tell you what. When those legs were fresh. Listen, he slipped. <laughs> Our defense, we had one of the best defense in the Big 8 that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric McMillan, anchored mm-hmm. by Eric McMillan. We call him Emac. Right. He ended up going to the Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, really, who look like these modern-day safeties now. Tall, lanky, right. can run. Right, right, right. Um, it, it was, you know, it was just phenomenal, you know. And then Colorado emerged. Yeah, true. And we played yeah. them. Yeah. And they beat us on a fifth down. Actually, yeah. I named my company after them, Fifth Down Management. Well, I, after them, after that game. Let me get that, correct. Okay. That is so funny that you brought you named your company after that play. Yes. Because another very good friend of mine who's on this show regularly and we work with was Mike Pritchard, the wide receiver I know Mike. At, at Colorado. Yes. And you know how many times that we have talked and reminisced about Listen. that game? <laughs> Me and Eric B. Enemy, every time yeah. I see him, he was yeah. the running back. We yeah. talk. Yeah. Andy Reid with Kansas City was yeah. one of my coaches at Mizzou. That's right. And speaking of Eric B., I knew Eric his time at Green Bay. Is that right? As yeah. a coach. Okay. See, I told you yeah. it's a small world, it man. It really is. It yeah. really is. Yeah. It really is. That's amazing. That is amazing. Stacy Elliott is joining us. He is the father of Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, how has your, your Las Vegas draft experience been here the last couple of days? You know, it's been amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, every year around this time, on that Thursday, mm-hmm. 
uh, since Ezekiel was a drafted. It's pretty emotional. You relive it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, and so and so to be here and to relive this again with other families, to see Jamison Williams get drafted, mm-hmm. watched him grow up in St. Louis, ran track with my children, broke Ezekiel's 300 hurdle record in high school. Is that right? <laughs> But, you know, I was so, so happy for these families and their sons to achieve, accomplish a dream, and, you know, and go into a whole new chapter in their life. I mean, it's been amazing just to be here, to be a part of the NFL uh, draft luncheon. I was a co-host of that uh, with some of the draftees and their families okay. were there. and. You had very different presenters giving knowledge and stuff like that. Just just being in the atmosphere, but yeah. definitely emotional. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Speaking of Jameson, we actually talked about him yesterday about, you know, great career at Alabama, and we had this discussion again, and it usually comes up around bowl time about – uh, athletes or football players sitting out and risking injury. And here he is in a national championship game, and you know just to, kind of those freak things. Yes. At, you know when these injuries happen, you know, and it, it's just too bad. And we hope that he recovers. And I'm glad that he still went rather high with his draft status yeah. because what a great career he had at Alabama. And yes. you got a chance to watch him as a youngster. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Great young man. Great family. Mm-hmm. Mother, father, mm-hmm. siblings. Um, really just an example mm-hmm. of the American family achieving an American dream, right. to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, those business decisions, mm-hmm. is, you know, you have to kind of like how you draw the line. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Ezekiel's still a guy like that in the NFL. Yeah. He said last year that, you know, you're going to have to kill him to take him off the field. Right. <laughs> you know, and so it's just at, well, I was at um, at Ohio State with Urban Meyer, not only as a parent, but I was a part of the staff at one point helping yeah. recruiting. And one of the things that we, uh, Urban Meyer's philosophy is training these young men to be elite warriors. Yeah. And that's what they are. You know, mm-hmm. so that mental toughness that's developed, it starts when they're a very young age. Right. You know, it's like being a soldier. Yeah. I mean, this is part of your being. Yeah. No, it's – we see more and more players that are opting out, you yes. know, of these bowl games. And it's just sad. Speaking of which, you know, I brought up that Fiesta Bowl. I'm yes, sure you were, you were at that. I was Fiesta. there. Yes, So sir. you remember one of the first series, the yeah. Notre Dame linebacker. Yeah, Jalen. Exactly. Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. got yes. and, and I just – Felt so bad for him yeah. when he went down like that because yeah. again, you know, high high draft pick and you know, but arguably he could have been top five. No question. I mean, no question. So yeah, yeah. good stuff. All right, Stacy uh, Elliott uh, joins us here. You know, we talk about uh, Ezekiel in Las Vegas. He loves this town, doesn't he? Ah! He likes coming here. Hey, listen, I, I believe he does. I, he a grown man, so I stay out the way with that part. <laughs> People, people around town have seen him yeah, hanging out there, yeah, you know. Sir. No matter where yeah. he's got, he's, he's doing this. Well, on the field or off the field, he's doing this. Well, you know, one thing <laughs> I would say about that young man is growing yeah. up, he didn't do a lot of other things. Really? You know, it yeah. was academics mm-hmm. and school. Okay. He went to some of the toughest academic schools mm-hmm. that anyone could go through in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, he graduated John Burroughs. Um, school in St. Louis is one of the top private schools for academics in America. And, um, you know, I'm happy for him that he could have downtime and come to Las Vegas and enjoy himself because I watched him literally probably from seven years old 
to getting drafted to Dallas Cowboys, he really never slept. Right. Like, and his mother, she's a drill major, so. <laughs> we know who runs the house, huh? We in the house back in the day, huh? She still get up 5 in the morning and bother everybody. <laughs> yes. Yes, Sergeant. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I want to go back. You're talking about, uh, you know, growing up. What was that as a parent, and even for, for Zeke, making that college choice to go to Ohio State? What were the other options? How involved were you as a parent in helping him make that decision? <laughs> Boy, you know, you asking me that question, the first thing that came up in my mind, I called the Missouri Compromise. Okay. You know, his mother was a standout, supreme athlete in track, athlete at Mizzou. In high school, they retired her number in softball. Wow. Me, you know, I, I, you know, football got me out of the hood, yeah. the metropolitan area in New York. I was pretty good, though, to get a full yeah. ride. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Only playing two years of high school football. Okay. But everyone thought that he would go to Mizzou. Following uh, father's footsteps. You know, and, 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 you know, the thing I tell parents is one, one of the things I've learned from Ezekiel a lot, especially in them early days, was through his interviews. Um. Because he's always, even to this day, really quiet around his pops. It's cool, you know. Mm -hmm. And I tease him sometimes. I say, boy, you know you talk. (laughs) (laughs) But his first interview that I remember, and I'm reading it, and the question was asked to him, when did you know you wanted to play Division I football? And his response was, I always wanted to be like my father. And that really touched me because I never discussed football with Ezekiel. Even to this day, me and his mom don't discuss sports with him because everyone else does. And we never wanted him to grow up and his self-esteem be wrapped around sports or football because, I mean, at the end of the day, as I used to tell him when he was young, playing football is like life. One day it's going to end. You just never know what day. Right. And so in sports, though, that aspect ends, but you keep on living. Mm Mm-hmm. And so through the process um, of Ezekiel being recruited, he was recruited by every school literally in America. Um, But when we took our visits to The Ohio State University and met with Urban Meyer, talking with him, sitting in his office, um, that kind of changed our expectation on what we would look for in a coach, a coaching staff, that environment and academics because me and Don we feared that we didn't want our son to go to a school that was solely about sports solely about football um, and so because Ezekiel pretty much academically came up in an environment that, that was preparing him to really go to Ivy League school or a Notre Dame you know did you consider the Irish like you know what the Notre Dame was our choice Okay. It's probably the first time I've publicly said that. Right? I was going to say. <laughs> Mizzou, don't kill me, fam. We're starting to get back in their grace. Right, right, right. That's true. <laughs> their good grace. Uh-huh. But, no, Notre Dame was high. Now, we didn't have to talk about Missouri. Missouri was in our heart. Right. But because Notre Dame, the tradition, mm-hmm. the academics, mm-hmm. the graduation rate, that graduation rate for football players at the time was 98%. Mm-hmm. 
unheard of. Yep. And for African-American players, 100%. So near that end, when Ezekiel was going to make his decision, he was talking about, well, I'm going to take a visit to the University of Texas and all the Oh, stop it. <laughs> Time out. We're going to get you on the phone with mm-hmm. Coach Tony Alford, who was at Notre Dame mm-hmm. at the time, who would later come to the Ohio State. Uh, right. So, yeah, right. it was – It's. It was yeah. So we did, we 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 loved um, Notre Dame for what it represented and what it had to offer our son. And I don't think that a lot of people knew about Ezekiel, you know, his academic side. All they knew about him was just what a great running back he was. Yes, sir. So that's that that that's an amazing part of it. I want to talk to you about the parent aspect of having an NFL star, and obviously he is a star, and all that goes with that. What was the process like for you and in, in his mom, you know, after the draft and getting the big contract and all that kind of stuff? Do, do you still kind of have this protective uh, look over him, or do you just let him be him? And d- just talk a little bit about that. To be very frank and honest with you, I probably was very much openly over the top with him. Okay. As most parents are. Representing his mom. Right. Because when she gets over the top showing it, it's unbearable. (laughs) The the military comes out in her again. Is she a sergeant or is she a colonel? (laughs) Both. (laughs) She's hands-on and she's running stuff. There you go. Okay. Um, so I bet he still calls her mama too, right? Oh, we call her a lot now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so is so I um I had to learn to step back okay. and let the young man be a man. Okay. Trust the process. Right. Trust the people around him who he allowed, he let me as his father mm-hmm. and his mother really pick his team. Right. I had to step back. Yeah. And and realize that, you know, at the end of the day, when it's all over, I'm just his father. And he wants his father more than he wants anything else. What's the biggest challenge of having a son that plays in the NFL, is an elite player, and again, is always going to be scrutinized in every aspect? What, what's the biggest challenge for you as parents? i tell you. Watching him being scrutinized, mm-hmm. watching people speak about him, know nothing about him, make judgments about him, um, that's very difficult. And when you have a son like Ezekiel, as big as a star he is, almost everywhere you look, everywhere you hear, I mean, I've been in Frisco, and I've been at the Star. Um, and, and I don't know if you've ever been to Frisco at the Star. Um, that's Dallas Cowboys. Frisco, Texas. Mecca. Yep, right. That's the headquarters. Yep, yep. I've sat there and no one knows who I am, and I've heard people walk past me and yeah. talk negatively and positively about my son. Yeah. Don't even know his dad is sitting there. Of course. So yeah. um, just being able to trust the process and not even – bother him with it and not even fight for him yeah. with people that he don't even, he's not even aware they're saying things about him. That's hard. Yeah. It's been very hard. Yeah. 
What about for him? Because, I mean, he hears the noise, and he hear you know, uh, and a lot of people will say this, Stacy. They'll say, well, you know, Zeke's kind of made his own choices. He's done done some things that maybe he shouldn't have done and that sort of thing. And, I mean, do you, do you come to his defense on that? Do you sit him down and say, son, what are you thinking? Or, I mean, talk a little bit about that. You know, my, you know, listen, we're human beings. None of us yeah. are perfect. And the people around us aren't perfect either. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, at times, people who are managing you, your coaches, things like that are not perfect. Ezekiel was raised to be a man, so anything he has done, I'm sure he would accept responsibility. But there is cause and effect. And as his father, yes, I tell people as parents, we own the good and we own the bad. That's fine. I can accept that. But my son, kind of being the type of star he is, lives in a prison. And those bars are invisible, but those bars are real. When Ezekiel was in college, I had to literally get bodyguards around him. I don't know if there's been a star yet from college to the NFL as big as Ezekiel Elliott. Leading up to the national championship game, leading up to the playoffs, I saw this developing, just things that I would term as weird. Yeah. Even with my children, my siblings, I had to protect them. We couldn't even in college, um, his sophomore year, when we had that great, he had that great run and we won the national championship, mm-hmm. we couldn't even be in a lobby like this in college without people coming up. Yeah. Some people rude. I get it. People get excited over this thing. I remember one time we were in New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl, and uh, a young lady came up and literally moved my daughter out the way because she wanted a picture with Ezekiel Elliott. From that point on, I came up with a system that my family would no longer go in the lobby. And I told Ezekiel, don't come out there, you know, and he'll, and, and, and the system was Ezekiel knew or they knew where to meet him after the game. Me personally, I'm his dad. I'm cool. And I always would tell him, like, listen, your mommy and your grandma, they always should have access to you. Mm -hmm. But but it it just got strange. And then at times I would have to get um, people to be around him in college. Um, The athletic department is provided. Um, We had to change his phone number. I had to have his Facebook page taken down Um, just because of his – play on the field. I mean, I remember one time we went to an event, people was chasing our car down the street. So, I, God really blessed us because I ended up going to Columbus, Ohio when Ezekiel went there. It was a decision not based on us worried about him. It wasn't even a decision to- solely based on Ezekiel doing, no, Definitely him doing anything wrong. It wasn't on that. But me and Don being Division One athletes and seeing what comes along with that, we didn't want our son to get lost. He, Ezekiel grew up sheltered. Yeah. Ezekiel literally grew up. He didn't know crime until he went to Columbus, Ohio. Had never had a fight till he went to Columbus, Ohio. And he went at 17 years old. Right. He was in college right. at 17. Right. And so um, – uh, I ended up in Columbus, so I, I even to hear some writers say, well, that was a red flag. The red flag wasn't on Ezekiel Elliott. 
the red flag was we didn't want him to be ill affected by the environment because yeah. as a black man, to be honest with you, I didn't know if Ezekiel's instinct or even as a man, right. you know we're men, mm-hmm. regardless of your color or race, there's a certain instinct that has to be developed to um, deal with uh, to deal with uh, detecting danger. The distractions obviously are plenty. You know, yes. when you're a superstar college athlete and you get into the NFL, and it sounds like you had to deal with so many of those type yeah. of distractions. And yeah. still to this day, I think that that he has to deal with distractions. Yes. You know, uh, when you get a chance to see like the hard knocks, you know, those episodes and seeing him and that sort of thing. How do you how do you respond to that and how do you take to that? Do you do you do you laugh about that stuff or and and, and what has been the people's um, you know the general public? What has been their opinion of, of that when they see Ezekiel on a stage like that? They love it. Yeah. They love Ezekiel. <laughs> you know, um, they love seeing him in those elements. They love seeing that big beautiful smile he has, and um, situations like that for Ezekiel. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It's, it, he's comfortable. It's very organic. Ezekiel's that organic kind of guy. If you said, hey, listen, I'd like for you to be here at 2 o'clock for an right. interview, yeah. he ain't showing up. <laughs> it's not organic. <laughs> That's why we got yeah. Stacy. <laughs> Zeke stood us up. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> no, he seems like a real fun-loving guy. Yeah, he just he likes is. to, you know. You know, yeah. kind of marches to the beat of his own drum yeah, sometimes, Ze- maybe. Yeah. You know? yeah. Ezekiel's a type of young man. He just ha- He's always been a happy guy. Yeah. As a little boy, yeah. we used to yeah. say he's just happy to be alive. Let me Stacy Elliott joins us, the father of Ezekiel Elliott, talking a little bit about the NFL draft and everything that goes with this as a prospect. We had a gentleman on yesterday who was uh, the all-time leading rusher here at UNLV. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, He's hoping to get drafted, you know, this weekend. He's had a great college career, but he said it is just so nerve-wracking for him going through it. He's on the smaller side. He's a running back. Yes. You know, he's 5'9 and maybe 180, 90 pounds, kind of like that Darren Sproles type. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And we wish him the best, but it's like he goes, man, I just, you know, it's, it's, it's nerve-wracking. We go with a guy like with Ezekiel that, you know, you know that he was going to be, you know, a high pick, high first-round pick, all that stuff. How did he deal with the process of preparing for the draft. Talk about what's that like. You know, you go through the pro day, and I'll back it up, Stacy. You know, he could have, you know, entered, you know, early like he did, right? Where'd that decision come from? Was it you, moms, the family, coaches, agents? Who was all part of the, the preparation and the decision when to go into the NFL? <laughs> well, you know, I'm smiling when you ask that question. Beautiful question. Um, after we won the national championship, yep. if you go back to 2015, there was a lot of talk about Ezekiel should be leave now as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. But the rule wasn't in, still not in, right. that a sophomore could leave. Me as a father, I, you know, first of all, if Ezekiel was paying attention, he probably heard it. I'm sure he did. Mm-hmm. But we went to the Ohio State University for academics first, then football. Now, Ezekiel may have had it the other way. (laughs) (laughs) Like a lot of players. Exactly. But after that, you know, 
I remember mentioning that to Ezekiel about the whole sitting out thing, and he just said, "Nah, Dad, I would never do that." And I and I and, and I just brought it up to him. I wasn't encouraging him to, but Ezekiel's a team player anyway. He would he would feel worse about letting his boys down mm-hmm. than pursuing a professional career for money. Right. That's just how he is. Yeah. And so what I did, but so what? So he said to me. Um, between uh, winning the national championship, I can't remember exactly, but between winning that national championship in the spring game the following year, he wanted to go pro. I said, oh, listen, <laughs> you've maintained an above 3.0 GPA. Your goal was to get into the Fisher School of Business at The Ohio State University, which is one of the best business schools in America. This spring semester coming up, you can get in. Get into the Fisher School of Business. Oh, before I even said that, yeah, I said do that. But also meet with your advisors and tell me when do they project you graduate. (laughs) It's very important. (laughs) He said he did it. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he came back and he said, uh, yeah, he told us he's going to graduate when he was going to graduate. I said, okay, son, you keep continue to focus on your academics and winning another national championship with your boys. Mm-hmm. And after the season, we will meet as a family <laughs> and help you make that decision. Little did I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Great stuff, man, from a parent's perspective of not only just a, you know, uh, a a, a high, you know, draft pick, but then, you know, where he's at today and seeing the evolution of that. And, uh, again, he he is, you know, if we're honest, I mean, he has been a controversial, you know, character. He, he, He has, you know. And I think, you know, if you love him, you love him. And other people that, you know, may be very critical of him, they don't know him. Right? That's that's, right. That's pretty much. And as we see it, and we see it with all forms of sports, people just like to hate on success, don't they? That's true. Very true. Yeah. We see it in all sports. Very true. With all athletes, whether it's individuals or as teams. We see that. It comes with the territory. It does. It does. And uh, Stacy Elliott uh, is in the house. Can you hang with us for a little bit? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, good. Because I want to talk to you about the book. Yes, sir. And uh, talk to you a little bit more about the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, sir. Because we haven't touched on that yet. Okay. All right. Yes, sir. We are live at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas, the T.C. Martin Show. Of course, it is a Friday. So, you know, of course, we're here at the Cosmopolitan. No better place to be. And getting ready for the NFL Draft round numbers two and three coming your way tonight we've got that and a whole lot more coming your way even touch a little nba a little bit later on as well too because we've got one playoff game tonight of course live inside the sportsbook powered by william hill the cosmopolitan of las vegas now more of your favorite personal sports physician don't make me beg tc martin of course you are a character doesn't mean that you have character the doctor is now in NFL Draft, the Dallas Cowboys select Ezekiel Elliott, running back, Ohio State. There it is, draft day, Ezekiel Elliott, 
proud papa with us right here, Stacy Elliott. When you hear Roger Goodell make that announcement, you still get emotional, don't you? Yeah. Take us back, man. Take us back. Relive it. I want to hear that day, the green room, what you were anticipating, what you were hearing. I mean, did you know where he was going, or was there some drama all the way up till the pick? Well, you know, when Ezekiel did his pro day at the Ohio State, the Dallas Cowboys took Ezekiel to lunch. They wanted me to be present. Now, I was there, well, in general, with Coach Urban Meyer, he would invite the family to be there at pro day. But I also, you know, was uh, helping in recruitment. I was very close to the program. They called me the ambassador. And so they asked me to go along to the lunch. Now, now was Jerry there? No. Jerry wasn't there. But Jerry was paying. Yeah, Jerry was paying. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was on his dime. The offensive coordinator at the time was Coach Linehan. Yeah, Scott Linehan. He right. came up from the Rams. Well, ironically, his son played Little League baseball with Ezekiel. Is that right? So he already, we already that? knew him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's well, real strange, well, well, Missouri, right? Missouri connection. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so I remember I was like, I don't want to go. And or Ezekiel said, oh, Dad, I don't know if, you know, you don't got to go. I was like, cool. <laughs> and Ezekiel calls me back and says, Dad, they want you here. And I felt kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm not one of those dads always trying to be around like that, per yeah. se. So um, so we're there. Have lunch, and Coach Linehan goes, you know, hey, you know, Stace, uh, we like talking to parents. I thought that was kind of strange. Yeah. So you mind if, you know, I we, you know, I talk with you? I was like, okay. Then I, I, I called Ezekiel's agent, Rocky Arson. I said, hey, Rock, man, listen, you know, I ain't trying to be in the middle of all this. <laughs> you, are, you are not the LeVar Ball <laughs> no, of the sir. NFL, right? Let's get that clear. I was going to say that. Make sure. <laughs> Let's get that clear. And I knew that some think I, I am you. LeVar Ball. No, yeah. no, yeah. I'm not. No that's offense me. to him. That's what I'm saying. Right. That's not me. Yeah. That's not me. And I knew you weren't no, the first no, time when I no. first met you. Yes, that's not him. No, but no. I can see where people yes, would, would right. get that because any right. father who's involved in their son's career yeah. or has a voice or whatever, they that's what they think. Right. You know? But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Right. And so Ezekiel said, Dad, they want you to come. I I said, okay, son, I'm cool with not coming. So we have this conversation after we eat. Coach Linehan, who had already knew me um, and my family, and we knew his family, he was like, yeah, we like talking to to parents, which I thought was strange to me. So I called Rocky real quick because I don't want to get in the middle of my son's professional career like that. You know, and he said, you know, stay, no problem. You talk to them. And I'll talk to Stephen. Like, okay. <laughs> Stephen Jones, you're referring to. Yes, Stephen Jones, right. Mr. Stephen Jones. Right. And so throughout the process leading up to the draft, um, they would not only reach out to me, but they would reach out to Ezekiel's mom and us. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. It slips my mind. The legend who helped with recruit. He played for uh, Dallas Cowboys, and he um, uh, and he helped with uh, scouting. Okay. 
It'll come to me. Okay. Older man right what, now. Hall of Famer. What position? Oh, boy. Oh, man. It'll come to me. Okay. Um, and what era did he play? 70s? He's, yeah, he's definitely he's an older guy. Yeah. Very old. Yeah, 60s, 70s? Yeah, he's an older guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. It'll come to me. He would, okay. you know, I can't, I'm going to get into what he would, you know, the communication with all that. Right. On some things. Um, but needless to say, on leading up to the draft. So now we fly into Chicago. And, uh, no. <laughs> no. Camilla's coming with your right. sister to, to, to uh, help out with the name. That's right. All yeah. right, go, go ahead. So, at least, okay. so, so we fly into Chicago. Um, all of Ezekiel's family come we have what we call Zeke week I like it and uh, we had a function with Ohio State alumni we had a family function um, and uh, then we had Thursday night the draft that day wow you know you you you, what, you asked me a question earlier about how what's the hardest thing to um, deal with you know even now, sometime I just recently I was reading something about Ezekiel's fashion that day, right? And I the remember. criticism I remember that to yeah. his fashion. Yeah. Let me tell you, that day, about two hours before we had to walk the red carpet, Ezekiel didn't know what suit he was going to wear, and I remember being in his suite. And we had three suits on the bed. And we're like, all right, Ezekiel, have you made your mind up yet? <laughs> nah, Dad, uh, son, it's getting close, man. <laughs> we got to all get dressed. Well, I'm going to wear this suit. Matter of fact, it was just similar to the colors I got on right now. Well, so, yeah. so then we had someone who could was going to do alternation alterations right, right there right well he so he cho he chooses his shirt and he go and he's 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 putting the shirt next to his suit and he's putting it around and then the shirt was fitting some type of way we didn't have time to get that fixed so he said you know dad what do you think you think I should crop top it go ahead son so I validated what he thought was a good idea. Huh? Yeah, let's do it. There it is, the crop top. Okay, I remember the crop top. Now, yeah. the crop top. The blue and white. It looked like he, he was he was coming out like a, <laughs> of a 70s wedding or something like that, you know. And uh, I, I knew he was just coming back from a strip club or what. Listen. <laughs> the eye, hey, the perception is in the eyes of the beholder. Remember, remember the cutoff jerseys back in the day? Yes. That's what it reminded me of. You know, we, we That's what it was supposed to be. There you go. Okay. So what happened was, let me veggie back to okay. his The Ohio State days. Okay. Ezekiel would wear his jersey the way we did in the old exactly, days. Exactly, right. The It'll, NCAA banned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, you didn't hear what I said. Yeah. The NCAA banned it. Yeah. So his junior year was against NCAA rules to wear your jersey crop top. Now, one day, me and his mom was walking through the halls at Ohio State at the football facility, and we ran into an NCAA official. I won't get into why he told us what was behind them banning it, 
But what America and those who want to write negative things and don't understand is, it was a football statement. And really, in a fun way, a protest to a rule that was changed solely because of how Ezekiel Elliott wore his jersey. Let's get back to the draft deck. Yeah. Thank you for that statement, though. Yes, sir. And, and for, You're welcome, and you, sir. You, and, clearing, and clearing that yes. up because a lot of yeah. people did not understand it. They didn't. There was a, a subliminal message right there. Yeah. So we walked yeah, so walk the red carpet, and now you see his, his abs are out, yeah. and, you know. And, and so <laughs> that fashion was so deep that, you know, uh, he asked President Barack, Obama to maybe change the law, the rule. <laughs> Barack said, I ain't got that kind of juice. Right. <laughs> when they visited the White House. Yeah. And so we walked the red carpet. Um, I had the privilege of helping my son with his social media. So I'm seeing everything. Him trending, the DMs, yeah. the inboxes. Yeah. And so. And what were the majority of those? Were they pro or con? I tell you, the fashion world, yeah. they loved it. There you go. Okay. Didn't know nothing about football. Yeah. The pop culture world loved it. Right. Certain haters or football right. pundits, they don't understand. Right. You know, right. Like, right. You know uh, maybe they were Michigan fans. I, I don't know. I mean, but if they're football pundits, then they would get that. That's true. You know what I mean? That's true. That, that, was, that was the look. That's true. You know? How could he do I that? Mean, back, we're talking Barry Sanders. Yes, we're sir. Talking about Billy, uh, we're talking about uh, uh, Marcus Dupree. Yes, sir. That, 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 and further. Me. Yeah, exactly. Back. Okay, go ahead. Earl Campbell. Yes, Anyways. sir. <laughs> we can go a little further. Right, right, right. <laughs> so... When we walked the red carpet and boy, we walk into the green room and we sitting at the table. To our left is Joey Bosa and his family who I love. Those are our people. Joey was Ezekiel's roommate in college. In front of us was Jalen Ramsey whom I know his dad, Lamont Ramsey, I didn't know him at the time, were in front of us. And over to the far left of the corner of the room was uh, the young man Tunsil. Oh, yeah. Laramie Tunsil. La- La- was it yeah. first name? Laramie. T- Laramie Tunsil. With Tunsil. A, without the gas mask that day. Well, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> hey, but, but before you talk about him, he's had the last laugh. Because look at his play in the NFL. Yes. He, he signed a, a $100 million contract. Come on, and I'm happy for him. Right. Happy for his but, family. But look at all the heat that he took. We're talking about draft day heat. No one took heat like him, and he dropped because of it. Right down to the wire. Exactly. All right, sorry. But. So we're sitting there. Jared Goff gets called. Oh, Even boy. though Ezekiel had the <laughs> highest draft grade yeah, in me, that draft Don't get me going class. about Jared Goff. <laughs> We, you know, the trend of of running backs going that high was not there anymore. Right. Um, And then Carlton Wentz got called. So we're waiting. We know Ezekiel's somewhere up there, but history is telling us in this modern era, nah, I ain't going to take a running back. But maybe they are. I always thought they would because Ezekiel's not the traditional running back. He's an athlete. Right. 
even though you don't see a lot of that, him playing out in space, he actually was recruited by Urban Meyer possibly to play that legendary position, the Percy Har- uh, Percy Harvin, Harvin yeah. Yeah. position. Right. But Zeke is a lot bigger guy. Yes. Yeah. But light on his feet. Right. So now the second pick, Carlton Winston goes to Philly. We was kind of relieved on that one. <laughs> Come on. I hear I'm you. letting all the secrets I, out I, today. No, that's you all good. It. That's it. That's good. I grew up a Giants fan, so. I understand. Exactly. You got no love for the Eagles. <laughs> no love for the Jets. There you Come go. Come on now. Or the whole NFC East, but now you're a Cowboy fan. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. I got you. So, um, we're waiting on the third pick. Between the come, Ezekiel gets a phone call from the Dallas Cowboys. I think it's Coach Brown. May God be pleased with him. We love Coach Brown. Just recently passed away. Great inspiration, Ezekiel. Great mentor. A man couldn't turn his son over to a better man. He calls Ezekiel. We're at the table in the green room. Ezekiel's agent sitting next to him. Ezekiel's mom next to the agent. My daughter's. Uh, Ezekiel's mom's sister sitting here. I'm sitting here. And I think it was a couple of other agents or attorneys there. Uh, and it was. So we're waiting now. Now, Ezekiel got this phone call. It was just, you know, just a lot of people don't know in the green room. It's, this stuff is normal. The team that may call you to talk, you may not even draft you. Right. <laughs> a lot of chess being played. Right. Are you talking to Ezekiel? Ezekiel, hey, we're like, who was that? Oh, that was Coach Brown. From the Dallas Cowboys, asking how you feel and maybe becoming a, a, a cowboy. Um, then, so in the green room, there are cam- camera crews, several camera crews, when they're anticipating you or your name might get called. Yeah. Man, they, they're, 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 we're waiting on the third pick. Yeah. And then. Camera's all in the face. Oh, my God. <laughs> but then something comes up. And Ezekiel's that, Ezekiel's, um, uh, I think Rocky Arsenal goes, damn it, they don't trade it up. I ain't going to say who. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> okay. But it was the tonsil situation going on, and we're not on watching TV. So I, I believe someone in his family uh, showed a video of him. Correct. It, with a gas mask yeah. on. So it threw everything upside down. Yeah, it did. They took Joey Bosa. <laughs> yeah, you know, we all high-fiving the Bosa's, you know. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Now it's on. Cameras on Jalen Ramsey's table. Yeah. Cameras on the Elliott's table. <laughs> we just there. We're nervous. I, I, I can't even speak for how Ezekiel, but who knows? I ain't never heard that part yet from him. Ezekiel gets a phone call. I'm assuming it, the phone was handed over or it was Jerry Jones. Right. He drops the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Who was it, Ezekiel? Who was it? <laughs> oh, it was the Dallas Cowboys. It was Jerry Jones. You dropped the phone? Pick it up, man. Ezekiel's <laughs> a very humble guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, he picked the phone up, and I'm telling you, brother, 
he talked to Jerry Jones, and I would later be able to see it on TV how everyone else saw yeah. it. And Jerry Jones welcomed him into the Cowboy family, Cowboy Nation. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that moment as his father, I went back in time. And I saw his mom. In the back seat of our one car. Five in the morning traveling from Alton, Illinois to St. Louis. Because he got to go to school. And she's going over his homework from the previous night. Because, you know, in Little League, Practice was between 6 to 8, and we had to ride 45 minutes back to all Illinois because we didn't have enough money to live in the good part of St. Louis, and we didn't want our children to be plagued with crime and to be injured and killed. And so we made these type of sacrifices. I saw Ezekiel working hard. I saw him as a little boy. I saw him taking the trophy the national champion trophy, handed it to Urban Meyer just the way he was told it would happen when he was a recruit. I mean, I'm just going back. I seen parts of my life. I thought about my mother and my father who wasn't present to see their grandson. I mean, I'm going, I, I, you see tears and uh, you, you see videos and pictures. I'm, I'm crying. I cry a lot anyway, but especially over my children. <laughs> it's okay, bro. That's like a movie, man. Yeah. You're describing a movie yeah. moment there. You know what I'm saying? And I appreciate yeah. you for sharing all this. Yeah. yeah. I do. Yeah. What a day. You yeah. know. And then it, the name is called. The name is it, called. He goes up. He he meets the commissioner. He gives OH yeah. to Ohio State, Buckeye Nation, the following day. Jerry Jones puts us with his agent, Ezekiel's family. His mother is something special because, you know, this lady went to work the next day. She didn't get on the private jet. I mean, I want you to think yeah. that over. She's a committed lady. That's why. I couldn't talk her out of it. Humble and, com- and committed. I got yeah. on that private jet the next day. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody had to be represented. I'd be right with you. What are you talking about? Come on. Oh. We go to Dallas, and the fans, they're there. We land in Dallas. We go in the locker room. They show Ezekiel his locker. Now it's time to go sit down with Jerry Jones. You know, I know there's a lot of people that are critical, but when you're a great person, a great man, you do big things, you're going to have criticism. You're going to have people criticize you. But what Mr. Jones said to me as a father, any father of consciousness, once again, we're turning our son over to another man, would appreciate. Mr. Jones lectured me and Ezekiel for 45 minutes, probably, on the importance of being a father and a son and a son to his father. He told us stories about how when Stephen was growing up and he played 
uh, attended the University of Arkansas, how he would sneak up in his room. He didn't even know he was there in, at Arkansas. Yeah. And he would come in the room and he'd be laying in his bed. He's, t- he's telling me something yeah. as a father. <laughs> he, told, he said to me, he said to, to me and Ezekiel, he said, listen, we investigated you thoroughly. We left no rock unturned. We drafted you because of the way you was raised and the relationship you had with your father. That's what he said to me. It's a great story, my man. Stacy Elliott, the father of Ezekiel Elliott, got a book as well, too. What, The Coveted Commodity? Raising a Coveted Commodity yeah. is coming soon. How, how, can, uh, how can people get that? God willing, keep looking out okay. at my Instagram. Okay. Ambassador underscore Elliot. Yes. And uh, we'll, we'll be posting things on the upcoming right. dates and things like right. that when it will be released. My friend, I don't know how often you get to Vegas, but you got open invitation every time, man. We, well, we could do this all day. I appreciate Yes, sir. I appreciate uh, the memories, the thoughts, the wisdom. And, again, you know, from a parent's perspective of, of raising a child like you and his mother did and then to see it all come to fruition, the dreams to – Winning the national championship at Ohio State and then now being with the Dallas Cowboys. From the Ohio State University to the Dallas Cowboys. Go Cowboys! There, there you go, brother. <laughs> All right. Appreciate you. Thank you. Okay. Stacy Elliott in the house. Appreciate him. All right. We come back. Jay Schrader's in the house. And we talk a little more NFL draft. We got NBA to talk about next hour as well. T.C. Martin Show. Where? Right here. The Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Been a great third down defense the last two weeks. The Steelers have got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Belaine with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield. Intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath. number two here at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. It's a Friday NFL draft spectacular here in Las Vegas happening all through up and down the strip here. And want to thank uh, Stacey Elliott for joining us in hour number one, the father of Ezekiel Elliott, talking about uh, from a parent's perspective going through the draft and uh, the success uh, of his son. So good stuff there. The interview, of course, will be up with everything else on the website at tcmartinshow.com. Inside the sportsbook here powered by William Hill. In the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, uh, our spot for food, beverage, gaming, entertainment, and, of course, the show here each and every Friday as well, too. Camilla is in the house, my girl. Our man Tony Fisher from Green Bay says a shout-out to Camilla. There it is. Jay Schrader's in the house, his regular spot. He's becoming a a household name here as well, too. What's up, Cowboy? I shouldn't say that. What's up? Yeah. Raider, Redskin. <laughs> where else, where else you want yeah. to go? A lot of people don't know that I'm on a ranch now, so this you is say true. cowboy, they don't, they don't know what's going on. That's but, it. Uh, and Jay Schrader coming to a theater near your Blazing Saddles, too. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? That would yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be, uh, that'd be great. That'd be a little different. I don't know. 
Alex Karras would be a hard act to follow, that's for sure. <laughs> but I could see you punch out a horse. Uh, I don't, I'm not too sure I'd punch out a horse. I know. But Who would want to do that? Uh, Jeez. Yeah, it is. But uh, uh, how, many, how many times did it? Did it take to, to get that take? I'm wondering, yeah. how, how did they do that? Leave right. it to Mel Brooks, right? Right, right. But oh, uh, I'll oh. tell you what, one of the all-time classics right there, oh, Rising right. Saddles. Got to love it, man. Got to love it. Got to love gotta it. Gotta See, love it, so. like I said, you never know what's going to come up in the show. Great stuff, man. Good to see you. So Jay Schrader doing television during the draft. I am. Yesterday and today, right? I am. Do tell. I do. Uh, I'm doing uh, a bunch of hits for the local CBS station here uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, they've been very good to us uh, mm-hmm. and everything else. So, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We're up on the 39th floor overlooking <laughs> the, you know, it, uh, and I, ha- I do have to tell you that, you know, I'm getting older in age. There was a time when, you know, I wanted to be in the crowd. And last night I was standing up there going, I'm glad I'm not in the crowd, right. you know. Yes. Um, but, it, uh, you know, watching it from up there and uh, being able to go on, it, uh, it's been a lot of fun. The 39th floor, right? And, 39th uh, floor. That is amazing. I know. I saw your view, man. It's a, you got a nice little suite up there, don't you? Nice little suite, you know, <laughs> hanging out right over the edge. Uh, most of us were okay with it. I'm not going to mention names but there was one that a doesn't like heights and being hanging over the end and uh, you know all the shots were set up right on the edge of the balcony oh, so. wow. wow it was you so, know it was fun watching them hold on and like you know and the wind's blowing so it was good are you, you back out again tonight too right back at it again tonight four to seven uh doing some shots uh, and all that and then uh Play a little golf at a charity golf tournament tomorrow. Do some more parties. We had a nice NFL party last night. Yeah. So uh, it was great. I saw a lot of guys that are in town that, you yeah. know, you, you don't get a chance to connect with a lot. Yeah. And uh, ran into Isaac Curtis last night. Oh, great, man. Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. yeah. Pride of Cal, baby. Yeah. Nate McMillan and I yeah. sat down, had dinner, and then Daryl Green comes walking in. I mean, it was yeah. it was, it was a fun night. Oh, Daryl Green. Big, big Bob Whitfield uh, yeah. came in. So yeah. it was it was a lot. We had a great time. That's good. We well, had a good time. I was having dinner with your boy. Uh, Beeline. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. We were doing yeah, that we, last night as he, well, too. He tell you we played golf in that tournament together. He was in that tournament. Yeah, and yeah, on Thursday. Uh, yeah, Wednesday. Was it, uh, Wednesday. On Wednesday, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's been a busy yeah. week. It's been a yeah. great week. Yeah. Uh, but uh, a lot of, lot of stuff going on. Oh, no. That's that's great, man. And this is going to be a really cool for you to, you know, have a reunion, so to speak. Not only with just some of your former teammates, but other guys, you know, your yeah. peers and, and, and everybody else as well, too. I mean, it's, it is kind of cool well, for the very first time here, like in your hometown now of Vegas. Right. And, and it is cool because... You know, I spent the last, you know, day and a half reconnecting with a bunch of these guys, but then meeting some new guys that were, you know, younger players or played after me that I really hadn't had a chance to um, get a chance to to say hi to in person and, right. you know, to get sit down and uh, share a drink and share some food with them and get to know them a little bit was very nice. Right. Jay Schrader in the house, taking some time to, to join us here today like he uh, does quite regularly. Regularly do, do on a, a Friday. It's my, back to do, my normal time slot, yeah, so I it's like nice. It. Doing, doing some TV, man, too, yeah. as well. So looking uh, looking forward to checking a little bit out uh, tonight as well, too. So that's that's great. How was the, the golf game? And uh, who got the who got the better of who? You were, you were B. You were Berlin. You know, I, I don't think either of our teams placed. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I had big. He's pro- pretty competitive with his golf, man. He is, but uh, yeah. I uh, I played with uh, Eric Kramer. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Bob Whit- yeah. Whitfield. Uh, Bob has been on the golf course three times in his life. So uh, <laughs> when you watch a six foot eight, 
you know, large yeah. man trying yeah. to play golf. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, but he had a great attitude. Pride uh, of Stanford, then, too, right? Yeah, See? and then uh, played with uh, James Hudson, who had spent a couple of years in the league, and then in Canada for a little bit. And uh, so we we had a good time. Uh, you know, we didn't uh, kill it, but uh, we, we had a good time. That's a uh, nice course, too, you guys played yeah. on Wednesday, yeah. too. That's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Uh, the draft. Does it bring back memories for you, man? You know, it does. It's changed so much. Okay, I mean, I came out in 84, yeah. uh, which I think was the first year of ESPN. Uh, and I tell people all the time, you know, I didn't even know if I was going to get drafted because I hadn't played in four years, mm-hmm. right? So I didn't know what was going to go on. And my agent and everybody keeps calling me, this is going to happen. And so I had no clue. I'm just sitting at home. I'm eating chicken wings and, you know, doing my thing, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, then the, the phone call comes and it changes your life. I mean, radically and and immediately, because Mm -hmm. as soon as I hung up with that call, you know, then you get another call and it says, well, you're on a flight at 7 a.m. tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon. And you're off and running. (laughs) You know, it's it's a whirlwind. So uh, but uh, it was great. But I still remember because, you know, the ESPN started to do the draft and we were watching the draft on TV. And they came up and they said with, you know, the pick Washington Redskins select Jay Schroeder. They didn't, you know, they said my name Schroeder like it's spelled, right? And then they went blank. They didn't have anything to say. Yeah. You know? and they were like, <laughs> then all of a sudden Chris Brown, remember Chris like, Berman going, yeah. uh, we're going to go to a commercial. We'll come right back. And they came right back and did the Raiders pick right That's after unbelievable. it. unbelievable. They had no information. They had no information on you. They had no information. They were like, you, you they were like stumped. They were stumped. So, uh, so. It was pretty fun. Let, let, let's let's go back and let's relive the pick right now. Let's go back <laughs> to 1984. It is the third round. Oh, and by the way, do you know the actual uh, number of your pick? I do not. At one point, I did. I don't remember. Really? I, yeah. Because we went. Okay, so you know, I, the reason why I went to dinner last night okay. because I won a bet with Burline. Oh, did you? Because he didn't know when he was driving. So I'm giving him. I knew him it was the third round. So, I don't know so the exact number. So we're recreating this yesterday, right? Okay. And I go, we're the 110th pick this night. He goes, hey, man, I, I really appreciate you doing that. He goes, but I was pick 126. And I go, <laughs> I go, no, man, you're pick 110. He goes, no, I'm telling you, I was 126. Yeah. And I go, really? This night? He goes, I would bet, bet you a bucket of chicken right now that oh, I was not see. pick 110. And he, so this guy's betting against himself. <laughs> I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. So sure enough, Numchuck, you know, goes and looks it up. Up. Yep. And there we go. The breaking news. I had to break it to him. I said, man, with, you know, the 110th pick, he goes, oh, wow. oh man. No, he goes, I, he goes, not, he goes I, I know I took some concussions or whatever. So I did my chicken dance right I, then and there. I think I, I was, I think I was 80 something. Yeah. So very good. Want, okay. So somewhere yes. in the 80s. All right. All right. We got to re- relive. Do you know? Yes, I do know. Of course I know. Right? I do so. my homework. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. All right. Hit the bell, Numchuck. Let's go. There it is. Uh, the pick is in. The pick is. is in. In 1984, in the uh, third round with the 83rd overall oh, pick. Look at that. The Washington Redskins select Jay Schroeder <laughs> from from Peanuts and Charlie yeah. Brown. Well, well, Dude, and here's that's terrible, man. And, Come on. And here's, how, how could they mess that up? Well, and to top it all off, miss- so you get the call, you're drafted, you get the call that you're on a flight, right, and then. <laughs> You get a, you finally get a chance to, to be with your family and go okay well I better pack because I got an early flight and everything else so I fly to Dulles okay yeah. Washington Dulles yep. Yep. I get off the plane nothing oh nobody's there nobody is there 
And I'm like, okay. So at least, now I'm at going, least give me now, a sign with my name spelled wrong. Now, yeah. Now I'm going back, and you know, this is 1984. The yeah. technology is a little different, right? And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to call the Redskins right. and everything else. I finally get through, and the secretary, you know, and she goes, "Where are you? Your press conference is supposed to start in five minutes." I said, "I've been sitting at the airport." She goes, "Oh my God." Nobody, nobody came to pick you up. Yeah. I said, "No." She says, "We're sending somebody right now." <laughs> oh. So I got left at the airport. That, that's how important I was. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I don't know if you ever heard the story, and I may get this wrong because it's been a long time since I, I told the story and heard the story, but it's very similar to a year earlier that Akeem Olajuwon, or, or a couple few years earlier, yeah. when he got uh, ended up at the University of Houston. Did. did you ever hear that story? Mm-hmm. So he came over from what, uh, was it Nigeria? Nigeria yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. came over there, and uh, I can't remember the school, but they were there to pick him up, and they, they didn't show up. Oh, wow. And basically, he came there and says, I don't know, what, what, you know, what, these guys didn't come pick me up. And then there was, uh, you know, somebody else, the University of Houston was there, and he goes, uh, how's, the, how's the weather in Houston? Because he, he had no idea. It's, it's very warm this night. He goes, okay, I'm going to Houston. <laughs> All because somebody did not pick him up. Somebody, the, yeah. And I can't remember what the school was. Whoever it was that didn't pick him up got fired the next day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Got fired the next day. So Faisal Jamma was born. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. So. Jay, what was the view of yourself uh, coming out of UCLA and, you know, like I said, you know, you kind of had a little gap there, right? Because what a lot of people don't realize. That. Yeah, four what, years. Was the, what was the view of, of, of yourself as far as, like, where do you think you were as far as, you know, being drafted in the NFL? Well, it, it's kind of ironic. And your stock, your yeah. own stock. Well, it's kind of ironic because, you know, the year before was Marino, Elway, yep. uh, Ken O'Brien, that big class that came out yep. in 83, right? And so it was the first time that they started to draft the bigger athletic type quarterbacks every you know up until that point everybody was labeled as a tight end uh so when i came out you know with the limited playing i only played in 11 college games started one you know and then took a break for four years so i was labeled as a big athlete that could run i mean i could run a four five right uh which was pretty good and i could throw the ball almost 90 yards in the air so it was athletic Potential, yeah, right. You know, right? And, that, yeah. and that's what it was. Well, go back though, because a lot of people are probably not familiar with the the gap and not playing for four years. They yeah, explain. That. So I was I was playing professional baseball. I got drafted uh, by Toronto out of high school. Um, was one of the guys that got the rule change where you could be a professional in one sport and amateur in another. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played two years, my freshman and sophomore year at UCLA, total eleven games. Um, and then Toronto called and said, uh, we want to put you on big league roster. I'm like, I'm out of here. Yeah, so, uh, sign me up. Sign me up. So, uh, you know, that that February I was in big league camp as a 19-year-old, you know, rooming with Jesse Barfield and on yes. the same field with Lloyd Mosby and George Bell and yeah. Yeah. Dave Steeb yeah. and Gott and all those guys and, uh, you know, trying to make a living playing baseball. So yeah. uh, I did that for four years. And, and then I called my old college coach and said, hey, I baseball thing's not working out like I thought it was and you know I I owe him a lot of credit because I didn't know it at the time I found out after my first year in the league that he had written a letter to every NFL team telling them that I was available so uh, Homer Smith uh, was 
did things for me that I couldn't imagine, you know, uh, to be able to do that. Because mm. uh, he asked me to come back to school. I still had a year of eligibility, right? you know, and everything yeah. else. And I'm be like, like a 24-year-old. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going back to school. So uh, I didn't know it at the time. But uh, a year later, he actually showed me the letter that he wrote to all the teams uh, wow. on my behalf and made all the film available and, huh. and really started the ball rolling. So yeah. um, that's what got me in. Because I didn't go to the combine. I just did individual workouts. So. You know, it's kind of cool, too, when you think about that. Like, okay, you gave baseball a shot, and you gave yeah. it, like, four years, right? So so you knew at that point in time, okay, because a lot of guys who are multi-sport athletes, yeah. they always have a regret. I don't say always, but, you know, they have a regret about, hey, what if I would have stuck with this or right. what would admit that, that me? Because your story back in those days is pretty similar to a lot of athletes. Oh, no question. Yeah, you know? I, I gave it a shot. I was a catcher all through high school. My first year that I got there, they put me in center field. I didn't even have a glove. I was like, okay, what's this? Played center field and right field for two years. And then they, the big league club, when I was in big league camp, um, they were like, well, we, we have a need at third base for a right-handed power hitter. And I'm third base. I'm like, I haven't fielded a ground ball in my life. Right. I've always been a catcher. And now you put me in the outfield. Right? Not even in Little League. So, play, so, play in the infield. So Dennis Minky is yeah. the infield coach. Yeah. And he hands me this glove that is not as big as my hand. And I'm looking <laughs> at it like, what am I supposed to do with this, right? Yeah. So, you know, two weeks go by. They're gr- hitting me ground balls, ground balls, you know. I was okay at, thir- at third base when everything was back. Yeah. You know, the little bunts and slow rollers where you Forget come in it. and throw, throw yeah. underhand. Yeah. Man, I was throwing that ball everywhere. I'd never thrown underhand in my life, right? <laughs> everything was over the top. Of course, and, yeah. And, and now I, yeah. I had no clue, right, yeah. and all that. So we're in spring training, and we used to play the Phillies all the time because we were in Dunedin, Clearwater, literally yeah. like eight minutes. No- Eight minutes down the road, right. right? The two stadiums. So we used to play all the time. Pete Rose, Mike Schmidt, all those guys. Right. And it's like the fourth or fifth inning, and uh, all of a sudden, I look over and they go, "Hey Schrader, you're going in." And I'm like, "All right, hey, you know, I'm going to go in." You know, right. back in the outfield. Goes, "No, you're going to third base." I was like, "What? <laughs> what do you mean I'm going to third base?" Right? So, you know, and I go out there. And I'm like, this isn't too bad, you know. First inning, nothing, right? Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. Well, the second inning, all of a sudden, the boys came up, okay? <laughs> and, you know, it was McBride, it was Rose, yeah. it was Schmidt, it was yeah. Luzinski and yeah. all that. Yeah. And uh, I'm standing back there, and oh. Mike Schmidt came up, and I, I am 20 feet behind third base. I'm like, if he bunts the ball? He can get a double. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I am down there, but I'm not. Because it was a whole uh, different angle seeing yeah, it off the bat, yeah. you know, and all that. And lo and behold, Dave Steve threw a slider that backed up, and he hit a ball down the line. Luckily, it was about three inches foul, okay, just barely foul and everything else. And I looked at the third base coach, and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I said, this is crazy. I said, this, I, said I didn't see that ball. <laughs> He says, well, I figured because you didn't react, right? <laughs> I was like, I was just thankful it didn't hit me at that point. Um, so I played third base for about two-thirds of a year, uh, which is an absolute disaster. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was just, it was ridiculous. My best friend of 42 years was our first baseman at the time. And somebody really had on button. He was literally like, is it going to stay in the stadium right. or not? You know, it could be anywhere. Thought uh, you were Steve Sachs after right. a while. You know? And then uh, then I went back and they yeah. actually let me catch 
um, towards the end of that, they put me back there, and they're like, hey, you can do that. I'm like, hello. You know, that's what you drafted was, me was for. Was my guy Buck yeah. Martinez uh, still there? Yeah, Buck Martinez, Ernie Wett yeah. were there. Yeah. So yeah. They, that's why and, they and moved was, me. Exactly. Because yeah. they had a right-handed and a left-handed hitter and, right. and catchers. You know? yeah. So that's why they moved. Plus, I could run, and they didn't, yeah. you know, and all that. And then, you know, my last year, I go to big league camp and everything else. <laughs> All of a sudden, they're like, hey, we got this new thing coming out. We think you'd be really good at the it. DH. No. What? No. Closer. Oh, the closer. There you and go. I'm like, and I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. Catcher? I said, <laughs> Outfield third base? I, I, said, no. I said, you're going to ask me to pitch something I've never done in my life after I've done third base and never done that in my life. And I'm like, I'm out of here. And that's when where's I just where's said. All these, where's all those Canadians up you there? Know, Come on, so man. That's when I called Homer Smith and everything yeah. else and then uh, ended up working out. Yeah. And, you know, lo and behold, I get drafted. So well, You're a big hitter. How come you just deal, well, be the DH? I, I could hit in today's league because I struck out a bunch <laughs> and they don't care about that anymore. Um, but I will tell you, at one point in time in the minor leagues, I hit third. Well, I hit third and fourth, but our lineup at one point in time was I would hit third, okay? Fred McGriff would hit fourth, and then Cecil Fielder hit fifth. Oh, yeah. We had just gotten Freddie in a trade, yeah. and Cecil was there. Yeah. And, you know, uh, like the third week we were playing – you know, we were all sitting there going, these guys aren't going to be here long, right? I mean, you can yeah. just watch them smash balls. Yeah. And we were playing in Wake Forest, and Fred McGiff hit a ball that hit the lights in the right center field standards. And the next day he was gone. Of you course. Know? Of course. <laughs> Getting the call up. You're like, yeah, that's not going to be long. The crime dog. So I was like, they hit it a little differently, you know. Yeah. But uh, I was very fortunate to play, you know, against some of the greatest players of all time, you know, in both sports. Think about that. I know. know? That is that is amazing. I tell people all the time, I'm the ultimate trivia question. Yeah. Because I'm the only guy that I I know of, and I haven't heard anybody find out any differently, but I played baseball against Pete Rose mm-hmm. and handed a football off to Walter Payton. Right. Because <laughs> I did that in the Pro Bowl. I mean, that's right. right. That, that's, that's some pretty good combination. I'll be, say. I'm like, you know, and I look back and go, yeah. I did that? Yeah. You know, I... I I, I was there, and I'm you know, like, yeah, I was pretty fortunate. Seriously, you are in the same conversation, the same sentence as uh, Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders. Seriously. I, was, I, I used to tell Bo I was Bo before Bo. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, you, and you, you, we talked about this before. Exactly. Yeah, yeah you I, were. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was Bo before Bo, but oh. uh, he just did it a little better. So going back, Jay Schrader in the house with us, the quarterbacks – and you just mentioned it, and you know, jogged my memory here. You know, '83 was that great draft class, yeah. like you said. You know, yeah. top top to bottom. And in 1984, this was rare. Not one quarterback was selected in the first round. Did Correct. you hear that? Yeah. Not one. Not one. Okay, I'm going to relive this for you. So we go to the second round. Boomer. You know, Boomer Esiason, yeah. 38th. Yeah. All right. In the third round, Jeff Hostetler yeah. at 89. All right. He came after me. I was at 83. Jeff came after me. I got drafted before Jeff. Uh, Tim McIver, I think, was the Rich McIver. Rich, Rich McIver, McIver for Texas. Texas. Yeah, 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 yeah. He got drafted. So it was Boomer, Rich, and then me, and then then Jeff came after me. Unbelievable, isn't that yeah. crazy? And, the, and, the, and you think about it. The year before, that was Elway, Marino, Blackledge, Ken O'Brien. Yep. Uh, you know, there was and uh, Kelly. Yeah. Yep. So right. it was. Right. Uh, there was a pretty good string there of a couple of years of guys that could play. That is crazy. 
What was your thoughts about yesterday uh, in in the draft round one? Um, it it kind of went the way I thought. Uh, analyzing the draft, there's a lot of very good players, but there's not anybody that stood out and separated themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I think the, th- the first two picks, um, I know for sure, uh, Adrian's going to be a, a heck of a player because he's done it all the time. Uh, Tavon's got unbelievable ability. He just didn't do it all the time. That concerns me. Uh, quarterbacks, I'm not surprised. I thought it was a stretch uh, to take a quarterback yesterday. Um, but I understand yep. Pittsburgh yep. Um, because he fits their style of play. They're going to be a run-oriented team. They're going to go back to the same way that Roethlisberger started, run-oriented, control the clock, play defense, You know, which is going to be hard in today's football. Right. I'm not going to lie. It's going to be hard in today's football. Yep. But uh, I think the quarterbacks are talented. But I don't see a difference maker. That's that's the key. There's not anybody in that group that's a difference maker. So uh, I think they can have some nice careers, but uh, I don't know if they're going to be the guy that's going to lead somebody, you know, to a championship unless they're surrounded by a, a lot of really good players. Seriously, I mean, we talked about this before. It just seems like one of the weakest crops that we've seen. And again, going back yeah. to college, I mean, you know, we both watch a lot of college football, and, and, we, and again, we we handicap these guys and their right. best bets and, uh, during the course of the year. I've never been a, a big Kenny Pickett fan, but right. it just it goes to show you again every year how it just seems like everybody overrates the quarterback. Right, and, and, and here's the thing, you know, with with Kenny. I just didn't think he was consistent. Right. Well, none, just, none of you know, those guys. You know? And then, you know, and then everybody goes to the combine and they run or they throw, and I'm like, yeah, but you got to play. Yeah. <laughs> it's about playing between the lines right. and, you know, what happens at that point. And, uh, you know, I, everybody puts a lot of stock in the in the combine, and, I, you know, I'm like, that's the underwear Olympics. That's all that is. Right. You know, right. it's a, you know, I've seen a lot of really good athletes that can't play football, and I've seen a lot of athletes that are average that are fantastic football players. Yeah, so you, you just never really know. It's a crapshoot. Yeah. It's a crapshoot. People have asked me, you know, well, what do you think the Raiders without a first round, first and second round draft choice? I said they have a proven commodity. Yeah. I said. Got two of them. Yeah, I said. Yeah. Or, or you're they, talking about quarterbacks. I'm not. No, I'm you're talking getting about, uh, Adams. Exactly. You know, and, I said, and Chandler Jones in the yeah, second round. Right. I'm, I mean, like, I'm like, you know, yeah, as two. You want yeah, to as it. two. Yeah. And I'm yeah. thinking, instead of guessing on your draft picks, you, you already know what you're getting. Right. I'm like, that. I'd take that any time. Yeah. And, and they're both still in the prime yeah. of their careers. Yeah. It's not like they're washed up. Right. So uh, I think, you know, it, it'll be interesting. Now they have to fill holes. Every every team now, you know, after the second round, because, you know, now everybody kind of drops off. Yep. Now it's a matter of filling holes. What Where can we find that guy that will fill a, a niche for us, you know, for four, five, six years? Maybe we find that guy. Let me ask you this. So we're talking about no quarterback goes in the first round, and it seems like every year that – like I said, they overvalue these these quarterbacks. And we go back to last year, and it was ridiculous. What you right. know, we're talking about with top top three quarterbacks, and then we're going. At least I'm going. Like none of these guys are ready. I mean, Trey Lance, and then right. some of these. I mean, are you kidding me? How come all of a sudden it just flipped? Where this year, because this crop was really, in my opinion, no different than last year's crop. But you know, we've seen a recent trend where it's like, oh, you know, we're gonna overpay these guys, overvalue these guys, right. and now we're okay, maybe we made a mistake. Now we've just gone the complete opposite where going back a month or two ago, a lot of people were thinking, or even back at the end of their college seasons, they're thinking like, oh yeah, you know, we, we could have two or three first round you know, you know, quarterbacks. Yeah. So what changed, I guess? That's my question. I think reality. 
I think reality. I, I think reality <laughs> set in. To be honest with you, um, the quarterback position is is overvalued. Mm-hmm. Um, the running back does not exist anymore in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of the the has been. Yeah. Um, pass rushers, pass protectors are the pride. Yeah. That's what they do. Um, finding a corner that can play in the NFL. Good luck because the rule you just can't with the rules. Right. It's it's. It's almost impossible. Um, so then, you know, what's the next best thing? You go get receivers because, you know, the game's built to throw the ball and score a lot of points. So uh, you try to get the, those athletes, and I think that's what you're seeing, you know, in the draft. Right. So Kenny Pickett goes to Pittsburgh, hometown guy, which is which is kind of cool, cool, I guess. Yep. Uh, only quarterback going the first round. First time since 2013 that has happened. E.J. Manuel. Wow. How'd that work out for him? <laughs> there, was yeah. a, there was another bad quarterback well, drop, right? You know, they, you know, to be honest, you know, as I said, the, the draft is a crapshoot. Yeah. You can look at every year, every draft, and there's more that were wrong than there were right. Yeah. It, but, just, it just is. Okay. And it's easy to go back, I mean, nine, ten years now. But come on. I watched, we watched E.J. Manuel when he played at Florida yeah. State. Nothing special. Right. Right, and that's what I feel about the guys, you know, this yeah. year. Right. There's nothing There's nothing special. You know, are they good athletes? Heck, yeah. You have to be to play at, at the level they yeah. did in college. But now you're asking them to take a major step forward and play with the best of the best of the best. Right. And that, that concerns me. And that's, you know, that was my concern when they took, you know, Walker at number one because, yeah. you know, he was – he played at an elite program, but he didn't right. always show up. Right. And that – as a teammate, that would concern me. Yeah. I, I need somebody that I, I know is going to show up every down, every play, whether he's getting his you know, rear end handed to him or not. I know he's going to fight. So you look ahead to today's second and third round. Let's look at these quarterbacks that are still on the board. Again, I don't know where the Malik Willis love came from. Right. And then, like you said, all of a sudden, boom, the reality check you know, came into play because they were talking about him going like 13, 14, 15 yeah. or something like that. Okay, so he's going to be there out of Liberty. Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. We've talked about him during the course of the year. Uh, Matt Corral over Ole Miss and then Sam Howell at uh, North Carolina. Do you like any of these guys? And wh- What do you think the pecking order is going to be as you're, we head into today and tomorrow? You're, you're missing a very important name for today. In the second and third round. Carson Strong? Nope. Nevada? Nope. Okay. Uh, who am I missing? Um, go ahead. Baker Mayfield. Uh, <laughs> oh, is he going back in the draft? We're throwing well, him no, back in? No, but ba- with the quarterbacks that are on the board, yes. I would take Baker Mayfield over any of them. Well, yeah, of course. So yeah, okay. if I'm a team that's looking for a quarterback at this point, you're going to have somebody that's going to be a backup guy. Mm. Okay. Somebody that come in that's been – and I'd like to have somebody proven – I'd trade a two or a three and go get Baker. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm getting, right? Um, so I think that'll be interesting. Uh, I knew there was going to be a lot of trades because, as I said, there's a lot of very good players, mm-hmm. um, but there's not the, that elite right. um, coming out. And, you know, it was weird yesterday because, what, six teams had two picks and, you know, right? Almost, what, seven or eight teams didn't even pick. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> Crazy. You know, that, that kind of tells you that, you know where yeah. the where the whole standard yeah. was. There's right. there's good players, but there's not. I don't think there's that difference maker out there. I, now, I with the exception of this, right. I think some of these young wide receivers, because of the way the game is played, have a chance. Yeah, I mean they have a chance. They do. So you mentioned Baker Mayfield. The Cleveland Browns obviously still have his right, and it's up to them whether to trade him or not. 
let me ask you this. Why would the Browns want to trade him when you know that Deshaun Watson isn't going to play for maybe six or eight games? I mean, don't you want to have a guy who's been in your system, and I don't care what's yeah. transpired, but even there's – is there really any guarantee that once, uh, once Watson is eligible to play and he comes back, is there any guarantee that he's going to be great? No. No, I think he, you know, he was he was an above average quarterback, you yeah. know, before. I don't see that changing after sitting out for, you know, a year. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason I say that Cleveland will trade him is because of locker room dynamics. It makes for a very tough locker room when you're like you're in there and you're like this guy's only here for 6 games and then we're getting that guy. Yeah. That that's yeah. a tough thing to yeah. that's a tough thing to sell to 53 other players. You know, in that locker yeah. room, that hey, you got to hang with us. You know, maybe we'll get some good. Maybe we, you know that. That's why I say that. Yeah. So I, I, think, I, I get that. I still yeah. understand why the the slam dunk that this is. You know, Deshaun Watson is going to be our guy. I agree. You I'm, know, I mean, hey, hey, God bless his agent for getting what he got. Right. I I wouldn't. And, I, and, I wouldn't even have had a conversation. And, and, and with let him. me ask you: if, if, <laughs> if you're one of those teammates, specifically an offensive lineman or a wide receiver yeah. or whatever, I mean, are you going to welcome in this this guy who is an outsider? Right. And then you hear and read all of the stories. I mean, are you going to welcome him with open arms, like, "Hey, we're glad we got this guy"? It's a very unique business, and in, in the fact that you, yes, you do. You open it up, and you give him a chance to prove himself. Okay. Um, you're in a business that's very aggressive. We've all been there and done that. Maybe it hasn't come out publicly, but we've all had issues. Okay, let's just put it that way. I mean, all the way through time, it's been that way in the NFL. So the NFL is very open and rewarding in the locker room to that um, because you've become that family. Um, and if he goes in there with the right attitude, he can win the locker room. Yeah. You know? uh, but then he's got to go out and prove it. Mm-hmm. And that'll be the big key. All right. All right, my man. Uh, you got to get going. Can you stay a little bit? It's up to you. What, what do you got going here? I can stay a little bit. Okay. Let's hit, let's hit a break. We'll come back uh, with a, a little bit more of Jay Schrader in the house here tonight talking NFL draft. We'll talk about the Raiders uh, when we come back, and they will be picking a little bit later on tonight. Remember, round two starts at 5 o'clock. All the festivities here on the Las Vegas Strip, and we're right smack dab in the middle of it right here at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas on this fabulous football draft Friday. Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Check this out. Getting ready for the draft. Round number two coming your way. Getting ready to start here at 4 o'clock at the top of the hour. The Raiders will be picking in the third round. Remember, the Raiders did not have a pick yesterday in round one. Do not have a pick in round two. But I think Raider fans are okay because they got Devontae <laughs> Adams from the Packers. <laughs> Chandler Chandler Jones Jones from Buffalo on the defensive side of the ball. They're okay. There you go. Jay Schrader in the house. Just remember, Jay, the commissioner may have mispronounced your name back in 19. It wasn't even the commissioner. I think it was uh, Chris Berman was the one that, you know. Yes, it was somebody who was on stage doing it, right? Right. Yeah, who knows what. But you're in good company because, you know, remember, they announced Brett Favre. You know, (laughs) remember that. That's right. Uh, And Chris Berman had to come back and. And correct him and said that would be Brett Favre has, has been yeah. selected, you know. So, uh, which brings me to some some interesting points because you know I really like uh, the draft, always have, and there are some you know great stories and great drama, 
and whether you're, you've been, uh, incorporated it, you know, firsthand or just or you've watched it, but uh, you know, some of the things that I think have been kind of funny over the years. Like you mentioned, when ESPN started broadcasting the draft in the early 80s, uh, it was not an exact science. There was a <laughs> lot of screw-ups and this and that. And this is where Mel Kuyper really got to be the right. guy, so to speak. Right. And I remember, uh, I think it was, what, 1987 or 89, you know, the, he's ripping he's ripping the Jets. Yep. He's ripping. You know, they don't have no idea. They don't even understand right. the concept here. It was, was funny. He's ripping the Colts. And then they interviewed the Colts GM, and he just starts ripping Kuyper, right. saying, you know. Going back and forth. Yeah, yeah. and he's going, Mel Kuyper has, knows no more than my next-door neighbor. <laughs> and I remember that interview. It was yeah. classic. It was great. And it he, was goes, great. he goes, and my next-door neighbor doesn't even have season tickets. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. It was probably one of the Ursays that, that, yeah. that, that said that, you know. Fans are always booing the picks, and we remember Radio City Music Hall and that sort of thing. We've seen players crying. We've seen the mispronouncing of names like we've talked about. Um, you know, seeing them sit there for awkwardly long periods of time. Oh, yes. yes. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. And I, every time I watch the draft nowadays, yeah. I think back and I go, thank God. Thank God I didn't have to go through that. Exactly. Wouldn't that be you know, torturous I mean, for that a player? Would, that would be unbelievable, you know, have yeah. somebody say, hey, you got a chance to go in the, you know, in this slot or this slot, yeah. and then all of a sudden, two hours later, you're still sitting there, yeah. and then now you got to sleep on it all night. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, where are you today? And as I said, now teams are going to look to start filling needs, yeah. you know, and not just best athletes. So uh, that would have been torture. The green room drama where yeah. and, and everybody remembers Aaron Rodgers, but there were a couple other guys that went through that green room drama where you, you wait, you wait, you wait, and the cameras are in your face and everything. You know, Tom Brady was, was one of those guys. You know, yeah. he went sixth round, uh, but Randy Moss was yeah. expected to go high. He dropped for, you know, off-the-field concern. That 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 goes to prove right there the exact science that it isn't. There you go. Exactly <laughs> correct. Aaron Rodgers dropped. Brady Quinn yeah. lived that same drama. I think it was in the same year as Aaron Rodgers that they went through all that. And uh, you know, I was going to uh, touch upon the story when we had Ezekiel Elliott's dad here. You saw him yeah. join us. You know, Stacy with you know, just reliving the moment when they're in the green room and they didn't know where they were going to go. And he said how, how stressful it was, it was and everything. So Drew Rosenhaus, yeah. and you probably, I don't know how well you know Drew or not or whatever, but when he was representing Willis McGahee, that he would actually, he said, the phone's not ringing or whatever. So he had his phone and pretended that he was talking to all no, these different teams. NFL teams to, to create interest. interest yeah. And it worked. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Oh, oh shoot. We, we're, oh, right. McGay's going to go. He's going to go. He's going right. to go. And they kept going back to the green room. Oh, there it is. Drew Rosenhaus, you know, a deal. Yeah. And he wasn't he, talking he, to anybody. Yeah, you know, he was just holding his phone up. He yeah. was holding his phone up. Yeah. And, and, and McGahey, I guess his parents said, hey, what are you doing? He goes, I'm going to create a buzz. Yeah. You know, what, what are you talking about? I mean, right. no, no one's no no yeah. one's talking about my son here. Like, yeah. Don't worry. I, I'm going to get it going here. <laughs> and then he did. Well, well I think, uh, you know, the day of the draft and the day after the draft, I think I reintroduced myself to my agent because I had only met him a couple of times. And, right. you know, he's like, yeah, I'll help you out. You know, one of those things, you yeah. know. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the Laramie Tunzel thing, which we talked about, and he was yeah. in that same draft as Ezekiel Elliott you know, with the, the video service with him and the gas mask. And, yeah, I like, just come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's been some really weird things. But, uh, you know, as I said, you know, if, if you look at it realistically, there's a lot more misses than there are. Hits. Yeah. 
And, you know, that's the beauty of it because, you know, everybody sits there draft day and they go, do we have that guy? You know, because yeah. you just you never know. You know, Tom Brady's sixth round. As right. you said, Randy Moss, yeah. you know, all these guys that turn out to be yeah. fantastic players that nobody was really counting on, yeah. you know. And uh, those are the ones that you really enjoy when they come up and they yeah. make it and they're sustainable, you know, to, to right. keep playing for a long time. That. That's what the draft's all about because that, those are the guys you remember. You don't you don't remember the 42 yeah. other guys that came in yeah. and went. You know, yep. you know, uh, for all those years too, when the draft was at Radio City Music Hall, you would get all of those giant fans, yeah, Jets fans, Jets fans he, dominated. He, he, yeah. they, they did, and we love it that it's here in Vegas. And I understand that like anytime we have an event here, you know, these leagues are going to say, "Hey, let's let's make Vegas Vegas a regular routine." <laughs> And all that stuff now, but I, I miss that Radio City Music Hall for that aspect. And I'll throw one at you. We're talking about all the the memorable moments of the the draft on TV. Do you guys remember when the Eagles fans that were at Radio City Music Hall and they booed Donovan McNabb? Yeah, yeah. They just went nuts. Like, are you kidding me? You're this right. guy from Syracuse, right. forget it. Yeah. How'd, but, that, how'd that work out? But, well, the good thing for Donovan is he had Andy Reid. That's the good thing. There you go. Uh, right. You know, I was. It's funny because I was talking to Steve Berline at the golf tournament, okay. and you know, I was glad for Andy to win a, a Super Bowl because every quarterback that's ever played for Andy has had a career year. It's true. That tells me something. That tells me the guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. He knows how to handle that position. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that was a good thing. But, uh, you know, the draft is the draft. Uh, I I have to tell you, from being up top there yeah. and overseeing it, yeah. I was actually surprised on how well things moved around because things are separated just enough here that there is movement and and the crowds over at the stage yeah. were over there and the crowds that were at you know Bellagio were yeah. there um, so i was actually pretty amazed at how everything actually worked out you know it so, took a lot of planning so to get obviously that. you know we, we were over here and then you know make making the rounds and stuff yesterday so explain that a little bit since you had that bird's eye view because they're over there behind the link right they're okay, over, for those that so they're, are, they're are not, literally what is that? Four blocks? Right. Four blocks away. Okay, so away. explain what's happening at the Bellagio where they built the big stage where the fountains are. And especially for our listeners who are outside of Vegas, they're listening, we're trying to paint a picture here that where the link is, it's on the other side See, of the strip, Las Vegas Boulevard. Behind, like the, the, behind it, the first row of hotels. Right, right. Back in there. So that's where the, the and, actual draft was. I don't know where the green room was because it took everybody, you know, three, four minutes to get from the green room to the stage. Okay. Uh, I was like, how far away are these guys? Right. I kept, you know, right. they kept showing them walking and right. walking and walking. Right. And I'm like, I'm tired, yeah. you know. But uh, no, but I was very impressed looking up, you know, because the Bellagio and then you had the NFL Network at the end of the Bellagio. So they were there. ESPN was obviously over at the, you know, okay. the draft with ABC. So logistically, I was very impressed on how it handled. And the NFL experience was yet another, you know, on the other side, two blocks away, um, where everybody could be there, but it was spread out enough that it didn't seem, you know, like everybody was on top of each other. Okay. So, uh, it was, I was, I was impressed. Yeah. yeah. I was impressed. So, when the draft was initially going to be here in 2020, but shut down, obviously, because of the pandemic, or Roger Goodell had it in his basement, right? They were actually going to have this boat idea, if you remember. Yeah, to take them out on a to, boat. To take them the boat, the Bellagio, and then bring the draft picks in that way. Right. But then 
when they reconvened everything this year at the last minute, like about two or three weeks ago, they scrapped the whole boat idea. Well, they said, well, we're going to scrap that. Well, that's because they finally realized they needed one thing. They need television timing. Yeah. And you can't, you can't get down to the exact science on when a guy's getting in a boat and when he's getting out. Yeah. That's a good <laughs> okay. point. Okay. Or, you know, how that thing's going to rock. And, yeah. you know, so there could have been some awkward. So that's that's part of the reason why they scrapped it, because they needed timing and to get these guys from yeah. point A to point B. It could be a three-hour tour like it Gilligan could. and, and the it Skipper. It could. And, and you and I both know Bellagio's big enough. You could get lost out there. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> and then if they kicked up the fountains, you know, it could be really uh, interesting. Oh, that's funny. Um so remember I, I, I mentioned, I keep going back to this, uh, Mel Kuyper, when he's talking about the Jets don't know what they're doing, but, yeah. you know, they, they just have, they, he said, I think they're clueless. Right. Do you know what pick that, that the Jets made that he was referring to? It just hit me. I have no idea. Jeff Lagerman. Oh. Hey, if you remember Jeff Lagerman. And then go on, what? Who? Yeah. Who is this guy? Yeah. It was a lot, a lot of well, West Virginia guy, wasn't he? No, and then yeah. who, was, who was the big offensive lineman that was a complete bust for Green Bay? Who was that? Oh, oh God. Uh-huh. It, uh, Tony Mandrich. Ma- Tony Mandrich. From Michigan but State. If I recall, oh, yeah. if I, recall I think uh, Mel Kuyper said he was going to be the best of all time. Yeah. Yeah, right. Right. He said he was a mountain, of, one, he's a mountain of a man, and he's he's going to be the best of all time. Well, right. yes. And obviously he wasn't the best of all time. Yes. <laughs> so I had Mike Tyson the other day. Okay. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, uh, Mike, of course, uh, coach of the Vikings for those four seasons, but also with the Raiders, and yeah. who's offensive line coach. And, you know, so Mike's uh, final season there, you know, is when the – when the, the Vikings didn't get the draft pick in on time. I think they were selecting seventh, oh, yeah. and they didn't get in. And he says everybody gave him heat. They said, you know, Tice, what's wrong with you, this and that? And he goes, I'm the head coach. Right. It's I'm not my responsibility, you know. <laughs> now, he lost his job, you know, that they, that they had year. asked me 10 minutes earlier, and yeah. I said, yes, A or B, yeah. yes. Yeah, and remember, <laughs> and, and the Vikings did it twice, right? Right. They did it twice. twice. Did. So that was another uh, drama. And then uh, – Thurman Thomas, if you remember, is like, again, not all the stuff. They didn't have cameras everywhere. But they, they found him uh, sleeping. Yeah. He was sleeping <laughs> on his couch. And he said, well, hey, Thurman, you just got selected. He's yeah. like, he's asleep. Yeah. I, well, you and I are old enough to remember the days where they had the helmets out there and the phone right next That's to That's right. That's <laughs> and, right. Yeah. You know, they, not only was it the old phone, but it was the phone with the light on it. Right. Like, they, they, like they weren't going to hear it. You're like. That's your job. Right. <laughs> Nubchuck is whispering something to me. Nubchuck, I can't understand you. Are, are you, got, you got some audio? You got some golden audio? Is that I what you're trying to tell me? I have some golden audio if you want it. Let's wait, go. Wait, Let's do you go want the Nubchuk. older or the newer one first? Let's start with the older one. Let's go way back to start with. Okay. Let's listen to our director, Jay, Jay Schroeder. <laughs> Atlanta has selected Brett Favor, quarterback. <laughs> Southern Mississippi. Pete Rozelle right there at his finest. Pete Rozelle. So Atlanta gets a favor by selecting Brett Favre from Southern Mississippi. Quarterback, as as we had suggested. There you go. Uh, That was a classic. There it is. See, you're in great company, my friend. And by the way, he lasted one year in Atlanta. That's right. Right? Right. Jerry Glanville. Jerry Glanville said he couldn't play after one year. Yeah. How'd that work out, Jerry? Yeah. So... (laughs) I don't know if you, Brett used to tell this story all the time. Uh, we used to have so much fun with it. But then you used to call him Mississippi. That's, yeah. that's what Glanville called, called Brett. Him. He called, hey, Mississippi. Hey, Mississippi. And uh, he said, 
He goes, Mississippi could throw the ball in the upper deck. <laughs> They're in Atlanta. He'd throw the ball in the upper deck, and he goes, but he, but he couldn't hit his receiver 10 yards out. <laughs> And he, goes, for clip two? and he goes, he goes, he would just blast me all the time. Go, hey, Mississippi, hey, Mississippi. He goes, I thought it was kind of funny at first. He goes, but then it kind of pissed me off. <laughs> and he said, look, get him out of here. That's right. Then Ron Wolf says, yeah, come on. Come on. You know, yep. let's, let's go to Green Bay. All right, clip number two from Nunchuck. Here we go. The uh, second pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Donovan McNabb, quarterback, Syracuse University. <laughs> And remember, this is back east. Exactly. Radio City Music. Yeah. So this is, yeah. So you got Philly fans there going, you know. But uh, That's what I miss. I mean, getting all you these East Coast fans, man. They yeah. just, oh, they'd pack into Radio City Music. So I don't know. I got a chance to walk the strip a little bit yesterday before the show just to mm-hmm. kind of see the fans. I thought it was very cool. Nice day out there. But, man, I saw some jerseys. Everybody was represented. Yeah. I don't know about you. One of the, uh, and we were talking about this at Hoops and Hops. We're going to, okay, what's the most obscure jersey? Uh, did, did you see one yesterday that you kind of looked at? Uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't see anything too obscure. Not obscure. Uh, I shouldn't say that. But yeah. I, I saw one. that is, I did a, a double take and a flashback that I don't think many of today's generation knew who this guy was. And this guy was wearing, an older gentleman wearing a very pristine Roger Craig Niners oh, nice. jersey. Nice. And he's like, oh, I, haven't, I haven't seen one of these in a long, long time. time. Yeah, but, but that, and it was in great shape, too. And then I, I, I shared with these guys, I was walking in here to the Cosmopolitan yesterday, and this guy had a, a pristine Nolan Ryan jersey Ooh, on. Oh, now there you go. Yeah, okay. Now this guy wasn't a football a baseball fan as you can tell so this guy comes up to him and says hey hey that's a great jersey you got on he goes he goes do you realize who that guy is and the guy says what, what are you talking about the guy had no, no idea, idea who Noel Ryan was right he goes that's one of the greatest pitchers of all time I saw him play this yeah. guy's going on this guy's going buddy I just like the colors I just like the jersey you know, yeah. he liked the, the rainbow color of the yeah. Astro yeah. Nolan yeah. Ryan so yeah. that those are the two things that caught my eye when I was walking down this trip yesterday. Well, I think, you know, that and th- you find out when, you know, when the draft is here and you see all these people come in, uh, you find out how passionate these people are yeah. for their team. Yeah. And it's great. You know, I'm glad that they, you know, really support them and, and go and do all that. Yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, sometimes it's a little over the top, you know, I'm the, but, uh, you know, good for them. You know, I was looking for a Dan Pastorini jersey. I, I couldn't find one of those. You know, I don't know if you're going to find a Dan Pastorini jersey out there, but it'd it's be beautiful. nice. Baby blue, that yeah. oiler blue. Well, you know, I was funny. I was doing a shot the other day, and they asked me, you know, well, who were your guys that you watched, you know, when you were coming up? And, you know, I, football to me was part-time, so I wasn't really that big into yeah. it. But the two guys that I watched were Terry Bradshaw. And Burt Jones. Burt Jones, number Burt seven. Jones. Remember LSU, Baltimore Colts? Yeah. yeah. Throwing throwing to, you know, Roger Carr out there yeah. who could flat run. Little yeah. Joe Washington coming out of the backfield. And, you know, then I get drafted by Washington, and, and Joe is there. And we have the 60 outside play, which is a pitch play for everybody else. Yeah. And Gibbs, like, you got to hand it off. I missed him, like, the first five or six times. <laughs> and after that, you know, the first time, first couple of times, you know, they were yelling at me and all that. And then afterwards, I came back, and Gibbs goes, well, you obviously you don't want to play here if you can't get him the ball. <laughs> I was like, so I'm like, you know, the next time I run the play, 
I'm halfway through getting ready to say hut, and I'm starting to come out. I'm like, I'm sprinting. To, I'm like, because he took off. He was like waiting for nobody, yeah, yeah. you know. And uh, it was it was pretty funny because you know I had John Riggins who was just the diesel, you know, in between, and then little Joe going outside. Yeah. So I didn't want to get hit by one guy, and I couldn't catch the other yeah. guy. <laughs> So I had to make sure I knew who was back there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Protect yourself. If Rico's coming through, yeah. 44 is coming up the middle, 260 right? 260-pound fullback. Oh, not, yeah, man. man. So, you know, talking about Brett Favre and Mississippi and all that kind of stuff, did Gibbs or anybody, like, uh, you know, call you a California guy or some cracks like it? Because you had the blonde hair. I mean, come on, you're UCLA. You're a California guy, man. You know what they called me? What'd they call you? B-baller, baseballer. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you and in that. fact, they, you know, they knew all about that. it was yeah. funny. It was funny because you're in training camp. And they're like, get up there and sing your alma mater and all that. And I said, I haven't been around my alma mater in four years. <laughs> right. I said, and they're like, well, you got to sing something. I sang, take me out to the ball game. Oh, I was like, good. I was like, I can sing, take me out to the ball game, or I can sing, oh Canada, because mm-hmm. we had the Canadian anthem right, right. all the time, you know. So uh, I sang, take me out to the ball game, and you know, I had stuff thrown at me and everything else. They're like, do you know you're supposed to be playing football? You know, yeah, right. All that. So yeah. 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 Look at this old guy from <laughs> California. <laughs> What's this kid's all messed up? He's yeah. got no idea. You yeah. Know? And then my first day of practice, I go out there, and of course, you know. Six, four and a half, and everything else. And I got number 10 on, and the guys come running out. You know, Rick Doc Walker, Donnie Warren. And I'm like, hey, kid, tight ends are over here. I go, no, no, I'm a quarterback. They were like, what? <laughs> tight ends didn't wear number 10 back in those days. It's like, they were like, what? Said, no, I'm not a tight end. They were like, damn. You know? <laughs> then I then I got through threw them a couple passes. They were like, oh, okay. Oh, that's it. it, it real quick, uh, just quick take on this. We don't see the six 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 seven quarterback. I'm mean, probably the last guy was uh, Dan McGuire. Yeah, and he didn't last, you know, very long. With it. Seattle and a couple right. spots, but why is that? Athletically, that's it. Huh? The, the game yeah. has changed yeah. so much athletically. But we don't even see those college quarterbacks that are be- right. that big anymore. Right, they yeah. turn into I mean, tight ends or something else, right? I mean, but you 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 got some big dudes. Josh Allen's a big dude. I yeah. mean, you know. So, um, but the game is so athletic now. Um, the pocket passer. It, it's funny because I was talking with Steve on the golf course, and if you realize, if you look back in time, the guys that win the Super Bowl are pocket passers. Yes. Guys that can pass in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, the athletic guy is great to have, but in order to win a Super Bowl, you got to, at some point in time, you got to sit in the pocket and throw. Right. And, you know, that's going to be the difference maker because mm-hmm. you can only roll out so many times because these defensive ends can outrun you nowadays. So uh, they're going to get you. So, you know, you look at the guy that can be a pocket passer and, but athletically, you still have to be able to move around. That's the difference in today's game. There it is. All right, the draft getting ready to start here in just a few moments. Uh, round number two here in Las Vegas. Jay Schrader, appreciate you as always, my man. Thank you, you for spending the time. Jay's getting ready to go do a little TV going upstairs to what, the 39th floor. 39th and floor. And my favorite spot up there at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, overlooking the Bellagio Fountains and the Strip and everything. So catch Jay for the next uh, what, two or three hours on two Channel 8 hours. here yep. locally in Las Vegas. All right, good stuff, man. I appreciate you. You bet. Thank you. You got it, brother. Jay Schrader in the house. I want to thank Stacy Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott's uh, father, for joining us here earlier as well, too. Numbchuck back in the studio. And, of course, the G-Man making it all happen, making us look really good here and sounding good as well, too. T.C. Martin saying so long. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website. Check it all out. The podcast, the past interviews, the, the latest blogs up there as well, too. 
at tcmartinshow.com. Have yourself a great weekend. Enjoy. We're back at it again Monday. We will reconvene and recap the draft and talk NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, and a whole lot more again. Have yourself a good one, and have a wonderful weekend.